excited to be with y'all again tonight. I have sad news. We only have, including tonight, only three more sermons left in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Aww. But again, one of my favorite things about teaching through books of the Bible is that you can go after three weeks from now, you can look and say, I went through an entire Bible in half a semester. That I went through every single word through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And I hope that it's been encouragement to you and will continue to be encouragement to you as you continue to walk with the Lord. Have any of you ever been in a situation where you thought you were ready, but you really weren't ready? Like it happens to us all the time. Let me tell you a story. Going into my senior year, it's the summer of my senior year right before here in August. uh, It was football time. Three days were about to start, and that meant we had three practices for football in a single day in the, in the summer heat. So it's the night before. We're all, I mean, we're all jazzed. We're all ready because this is going to be our year. This is the year we're going to take state, right? I'm super excited so that, that Sunday night before, I have all my stuff in a little pile. I am so ready for three days to start. So it's early in the morning. I lived about 15, 20 minutes outside of town in the middle of nowhere with cornfields and whatever kind of hills you have in Illinois, probably very similar here in Oklahoma. Uh, But I get in my car. It's about 6.15. I'm driving to practice. I'm like not late. I'm about right on time, like right where I want to be. And the the way to my house it was, I I lived on Duck Road. That kind of tells you how far I lived out of town. And on Duck Road, there are about five hills that are really big, like they're really steep. Like multiple times, like I've almost died driving on that road because there's a cow at the top of a hill that I didn't see as I went up. Like it's these huge hills. So as I'm driving, it's about a four or five minute drive on this road. And I get to the end and I get to the stop sign and I realize I forgot my cleats. And I'm like, this is not a good start, so I whip my 1999 Buick Century Limited back towards my house, and I start speeding. I start really speeding to where I'm going on these hills, and I have like a little hang time as I go over these hills. I don't recommend that at all. I'm luckily, luckily by the grace of God that I'm still standing here. But I'm ramping over these hills. I get back to my house. I run in, and there's my cleats. I'm like, come on, why didn't I remember those? So I grab it, and I get back in my car, and I continue to speed. And I'm like, I'm going to cut it close. Like, I'm the, I'm the captain of the defense. I can't, I can't be the one that's, that's late to this. So I drive up as people are walking out of the locker room to go to the track because that was always the first practice where you basically just ran circles and sprints until you puked your guts out, right? So I pull up right as people are walking out, and I get out of my, my car, and I – start running towards the locker room with my cleats in hand, and my coach sees me. And me and my coach had a really good relationship. Uh, But he could tell I was a little flustered, and he could tell that I was also late. And he was a little annoyed that I was late as well. And I'm running up. I'm like, okay, I'm here. Like, I didn't miss anything. And then he looks at me and goes, hey, do you have your physical? You know, for sports, you have to go to the doctor and get a physical, get it signed, and you have to turn into your sports team. And he, he looks at me, do you have your physical with you? I'm like, uh, no. And at that moment, I realized that my physical was sitting on the kitchen counter back at home. 
And I thought, I've done all this rushing. I thought I was really ready. And coach says, I saw you were speeding on the way in. Make sure you just drive the speed limit on the way back. Go get your physical and come back. Well, I made my way home. I made it back. And I made it for a little bit of the, the running part of that practice. And I, I mean, I tell you what, I sprinted around that track as fast as I could to try to make up for the time I lost. Now, I thought I was ready for that senior year of football. I thought I was ready for that three-day, but I really wasn't. I tell you that story because Paul tonight is talking about judgment day, when God's wrath is going to be poured over on this world. And the question I have for you tonight is, are you ready for it, or are you not? What are you clinging to right now? Is it Jesus, or is it something else? I want you to understand that and have that go through your mind as we go through 1 Thessalonians tonight. So we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll be going through verses 1 through 11. And I have a couple, several points for you tonight. The first one is this. Judgment day is coming, and when it comes, your Savior will show. Judgment day is coming, and when it comes, your Savior will show. Verse 1 and 2 say this. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have, to, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. There's a couple points I want to bring out to you within this first three verses. He's talking about, now concerning the times, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware. You are fully aware that of their faith. You are fully aware of what you believe. You know that the scriptures say, no one knows when the end times are coming. No one knows when judgment time is coming. You can look through all of the Bible. You can read all the things on the Internet. You can say, this president was is in office now, so he's probably this kind of antichrist, and this is happening over in North Korea, so this is one of the horsemen that are coming. Like, no one knows. You can say that all you want, but no one knows. And he's saying, hey, you guys know that no one knows because you know your word. You know your faith. So he's encouraging them here. He says, you know your Bible. My question to you is, do you know your Bible? Now, I'm not saying, do you know when the judgment time is coming? Do you know that no one knows? But in these situations where they needed to be encouraged, they needed to know God's word, they knew it. Do you yourselves know God's word so when you are in temptation, when you are in your day-to-day life, that you know you can rest on the truth of God's word? Or are you fumbling, going into what everybody else is doing, or are you standing firm on the truth of God that you are memorizing it, keeping it close to your heart? That's just a little mini challenge to you, that you would know God's word in every situation. Verse, or verse 2, it says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It's an important imagery he's showing here. He's saying like a thief in the night. Now, I'm not sure about you guys, but on my schedule, nowhere does it show on March 3rd of 2020, I'm going to have a thief come, I have a, a thief scheduled to come in the night and to take all my stuff. I don't think anyone really schedules a thief to come take their stuff, right? Like, that would make no sense. No one would want to. You'd be crazy if you just wanted people to steal your stuff. It's important imagery here because it's saying no one knows when a thief is going to come and steal, just like no one is going to know when God is going to come back for the judgment day. 
And he's saying in verse 3, it's important for us to understand, understand that no one knows. But verse 3 says, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. There are non-believers, there are people in your life that are saying, what is wrong with this life right now? I have peace, I have security. There's a lot of people in your life that are finding peace and security in things that are not of the Lord. Right? They have peace and security that they are in the popular group, that they are in the group that makes fun of other people and doesn't get made fun of. Right? People get into those groups because they feel peace. They feel security that they're not going to ever be made fun of, that they're always going to have friends. Some of you, some of the people find peace and security that you got the brand new pair of AirPods, that you have the newest, fresh kicks there are out there, that you hide behind these worldly possessions, that you have these AirPods, that you have these clothes, these shoes, you have this brand new phone that's the size of your head, right? There's people in your life that feel like they're secure and they have peace because they have worldly possessions. That is very true. Now, I imagine you can point those people out. You even can find that in yourself, that you hide behind your possessions, that you find peace and security in the things that you have or the things that you're good at or the friend group that you're in. God has not ordained us to find peace and security in those things because he says, when you find peace and security in those, those people that do find peace and security in those worldly possessions and those AirPods and those popularity and those possessions, that says, then sudden destruction will come upon them. As labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. It will, destruction will come upon those who do not know Jesus. Who are finding their peace and security and their trust in other things and worldly things. When you have your trust set in those, judgment will find you. The wrath of God will find you. Now an interesting image here is that Paul has given us is a pregnant woman. Now I'm a man. I will never birth a child. That is just something I will never know or quite 100% understand, right? He's saying, then judgment will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. When moms give birth, there is pain. You guys are not just some easy thing that comes into the world and you're like, oh, great, that was super easy. Like, no, having a, a kid is really painful. It's like one of the most painful things in this world. And I... Again, I'm not a doctor, even though it would be really cool because my name would be Dr. Bone. That would be a pretty sweet name. I think so. But when labor starts, when the process of having the baby is beginning, you can't escape that. Like it starts and there's no going back, right? Once that process goes, there's no holding that baby in. Like it's coming. Just like judgment day will come and you cannot hide from it. You cannot escape from it. For those who find peace and security in the worldly possessions and their popularity and the money that they have and the family they come from and the neighborhood that they live in and the school that they go to that don't know Jesus, judgment day will find them. The wrath of God will find them. You cannot run from it. You cannot hide from it. It's important for us to understand that we are not to put our, our trust in these worldly possessions, but our trust is only meant for Jesus Christ. Judgment day will come, and if your trust is not in Jesus, wrath will find its way to you. My second point tonight is this, that your identity informs 
your actions. Your identity informs your actions. Verse 4, after he goes through this, this gruesome picture, he says, But you are not in darkness, brothers, so that the day surprise you like a thief. That day won't surprise you like a thief. He says, an encouragement, an affirmation. Hey, that's like a really bad destruction thing coming, but know this. That is not you. You may go through tribulations. You will go through hard times. You will go through all of these hard things. Yet wrath, the wrath of God and eternal hell will not find you because you have trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's reaffirming, saying, no, when you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will not spend eternity in hell, but you will spend eternity with the Father. That's an encouragement for us as we continue on in this life. Verse 5. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not in the night, we're of the darkness. You remember last year we went through the, the entire book of 1 John, right? One of the big themes in that book was light and darkness, that we are called to walk in the light and not called to walk in the darkness. That walking in the light was walking with the Lord and walking in the darkness is walking in sin, right? He says you are children of light. You are not children of sin that are constantly in it. No, you are called to, to live differently and you live differently because you have Jesus inside you and because you have Jesus inside of you your actions are the overflow of that right your identity in Jesus informs what you do because in verse 6 and 7 it says so then let us not sleep as others do but let us keep awake and keep sober for those who sleep sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night again he's talking about this night theme right this night is in the darkness where sin is and this idea of being drunk, when you have consumed alcohol, you cannot think right. You cannot make a decision. You are not trusting in Jesus. You're trusting in that alcohol. And you cannot make decisions when you are consumed with that. And you say, no, don't be like the non-believers like that. But be sober. Verse 8 says, but since we belong to the day, since we belong to the Lord, let us be sober. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet for the hope of salvation. Since we are children of the light, act like it. Your identity, being a children of God, informs your actions. It's the overflow of what you do. You cannot be a, a child of the light if there's no Jesus found in your life. If Jesus is not found in your life, you may be walking in darkness. That God says through Paul in this letter, saying that since you are a child of the light, your life should look like it. Does your life look like you were following Jesus? Or does your life look like you were trusting in AirPods, popularity, possessions, neighborhoods? God has called us to act like children of light, to love other people, to be kind to other people, but to tell others about Jesus. My third point tonight is this. Salvation is found alone in Jesus. Salvation is found alone in Jesus. Verse 9 and 10 read, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that we, whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Important thing to, to note here. There are two destinations for a human. It is heaven or it's hell. Heaven or hell. It says, For God not has not destined you for wrath he has not destined you for hell you know who has destined you for hell yourself right the garden of eden we chose sin 
And we were separated from God. We chose our destiny. And that destiny was God's wrath. But it is only because of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection that we are brought near to the Lord. That he has not destined us for wrath. That is what we have done. But God has destined us to live eternally with him. And he has given us that gift through his son, Jesus Christ. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That you cannot come to the Father because of the works that you do, no matter how many times you come to Wednesday night, how many, how many times you come to Sunday morning, no matter how many times you do good things, no matter how many times you go on a mission trip, no matter how many times you are nice to someone at school, no matter how many AirPods you have, no matter how much popularity you have or how many possessions you have, it is only through Jesus Christ that we are saved. It is only through Jesus Christ that we are brought near to the Lord. That is important for us to understand because there's a lot of people who think that you can get to heaven in a lot of different ways. Scripture is clear. There's only one. It's through Jesus. And my last point is this. And it was the same one as last week. It's encourage and build one another up. Verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another up. And therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So he's saying when you have heard all of this, that judgment day is coming, that children of light should feel secure and peaceful because of what Jesus has done in verse 9, not because of what you have done, not because of the things you have, but encourage, there's a ton of people in this room, in your schools, in your family, that need encouragement. You guys go through a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff happening in middle school. Anxiety is up, depression is up, suicidal thoughts, suicides are up. You guys are going through a rough time where you're continually comparing yourself on Instagram and how many followers you have. If you don't have enough likes on a photo, you delete it. Like you're constantly comparing yourself and your identity is found in other things that are not Jesus. Encourage your brother and sister. If you have a friendship, go up to them, encourage them. Hey, you don't have to be defined by your social media following. You don't have to be defined by what they think. You don't have to be defined by your intellectual ability, by your athletic ability, by anything other than that, you're, that you are a son of God that you are a daughter of God. Encourage your fellow believers in this room to continue living for Jesus and build one another up with kind words. But the most important thing that you can do to encourage and build one another up is to tell them about Jesus. There are people in this room that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There are people in your family that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There are people in your schools that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The best thing, the most kind and loving thing you can do for them is to tell them about Jesus. Because you know what happens if they never surrender their life to Jesus? The wrath of God. Eternity in hell. The beautiful thing is that their salvation does not rest upon you, but God has is using you to tell them about Jesus. So be, so be faithful. Be committed to that. And if you are in this room tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray that in your small groups afterwards that you would confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you would need a Savior, that you are a sinner in dire need of a Savior because we all are. Would you pray with me?
God, we thank you for your word, Lord, that it's living and active. Thank you that for the, the reminder of the truth that you are bigger than we think. You are bigger than we give you credit for. God, you have created this earth. God, you have created each and every single one of us. You have given us this word that has that stood the test of time, Lord, that gives us life and encouragement and hope. God, I pray that these students would not be caught not ready for you to come. God, I pray you come tonight. I pray you come tomorrow. I pray you come as soon as you can. God, what a beautiful eternity it is going to be spent with you. God, I pray that these students would live their life in light of eternity, in light of the gospel. Lord, their lives would look different because of their relationship with you. God, I pray that you would encourage them to stay in the word, encourage them to continue to talk to you in prayer. And God, that you encourage them to tell their friends about Jesus, that their life would be a shining light for the gospel. Give them boldness, give them encouragement. And God, for those who don't know you tonight, I pray that you would convict their hearts, Lord, that they would need, they would see their need for a Savior. And God, I pray even for these students to share that with them tonight. God, we thank you. Amen.